be fun. Uh, there's just me and John. Which, yeah, this has never happened. Yeah. Uh, Jay's going to be here. He's currently a Walt. He may, he may make an appearance. He may not. I may not let him. I've got power over that when he joins in anyway. Um, but yeah, Kyle's having a week off because, you know, he, Kyle's always here, isn't he? He's, he's a loyal host. He never misses it. I think he deserves a week off and to put his feet up. And plus, it gives you a rare chance to bully him, which is the most... Which never happens. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, me and Jordan. Um, Jordan. That I don't means... know where this could go. Well, it means we can do sports. Kyle's not here. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. So, welcome, everybody. <laughs> to, to the sports hour. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. This could be a disaster. Could probably be confused. Should we just talk about England in sports in general? Because we what, how are... how they make the sport and then they are so bad at it. Yeah, we're very good at inventing sports and being terrible at it. But there's also a couple of sports that we're good at. But the more to the point, English sports people on tour, absolutely fucking crazy. So Drink Jordan, beer. yeah. Do you want to talk about or do you do you remember the story about what happened to? Or what Monty Panasar did, who was an English cricketer. In case you he, pissed, he pissed on some bouncers when pissed. Uh, yeah, he did. Um, so this is a story about him being a bit pissed when he was out. I don't even think this was on tour. This was just out. No, I think it was off season. Yeah, it was in Brighton. Uh, nah, so understandable. This is a, a um, just an article on the Bleacher Report uh, in amongst a few other weird professional stories uh, but it says we've all had our fair share of boozy nights when we get a little out of control and pro athletes are absolutely no different might I add especially fucking England cr- cricketers <laughs> um, to name a few they don't have boozy nights they just have boozy months like they, they just it doesn't end hold on I'll find the story about another cricketer are you finishing yeah. that yeah go on so uh, popular English cricketer uh, Monty Panesar was uh, never the, was never the greatest at his sport, giving him some unwanted popularity uh, for his failures on the field. But it was his drunken behaviour off field that became his biggest gaffe. After being asked to leave a nightclub for upsetting a group of ladies, no context, I just upset them. So I don't know. Uh, he actually walked to the top of the nightclub's building and began relieving himself and urinating onto the bouncers below. He immediately ran up to wrangle the athlete. So. He went on the roof and then pissed on them. <laughs> that is proud English behaviour right there. Um, oh, yes. So, yeah, the, the, I mean, there's loads there's loads of football ones about football teams being chased off fields and shit like that. But I just thought I'll pick out the more um, unusual ones. So have you got the one you want to talk about? It's a story involving Freddie Flintoff. Have you found it? Is it when he stole a pedal? No, it's... When after they won the Ashes in 2005, right. and they got invited to Downing Street, yeah. So, him and another couple of the England cricketers went into the um, ward room, the cabinet of cabinet room, <laughs> and Flintoff turned to be the prime minister. And then, I think it was they went into the gardens at Downing Street. And do you know the in the garden they've got the bushes, mm-hmm. like the flowery bushes? Yeah, yep. he pissed in down the street's bush. <laughs> <laughs> There's not, and also he stole a boat in Australia once. He did steal a boat in Australia. He also stole a pedal though, and can't remember he doing that. And he was going in circles and couldn't drive it. So he's got a history, but I mean, he is. It's it's fair enough. Yeah, it's ready. <clears throat> what do you expect? It's quite, it, the ironic thing is with Freddie Flintoff and England, other people, right, that do these things. They do it, people laugh. People like Gaza and people that are known to have the problems with the drink. Yeah. Get ridiculed massively. But I mean, as, as, mm, Gaza, I suppose, got laughed at when he brought a fishing rod and some fish. A fishing on a sandwich. Sandwich. Just someone who was on the run from the police. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, Gaza's a national treasure. Let's not bully him. No. 
Uh, he did sing Harley Nelly win the World Cup in 1980, so... <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, definitely the best player. I wouldn't say single-handedly, but definitely the best player, easily. But yeah, I mean, a shame, a waste of a talent, really, but, you know... It happens. It does happen. When they're that talented. Yeah. And I think a big part of that was because um, I have spoke to people who... Well, so this is indirect contact. I have spoke to people who have spoke to family members of Gaza's um, and it was totally like he didn't want the fame, he didn't want the money, he didn't want it nope. all in one go and he couldn't handle it. He was never given the help to deal with it and it all got out of control and plus he was straight into an England team that was full of like drinking culture and drugs. And, and doesn't also like help that well, so. he was basically Newcastle United's main person in the 80s before when he yeah. was only, what, 17, 18? Well, because he was such a natural talent, wasn't he? <laughs> and he had Glenn Roder as a God rest his soul, of course. Um, that he had Glenn Rhodes as yes. a mentor. So, <laughs> wasn't the most. <laughs> and to be fair, yeah. most professional footballers at that time drank during the week and then yeah. played football on the well, Saturday. All, 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 all. Yeah, all of them. All of them probably drank mostly during the week <laughs> in between matches as well. <laughs> Yeah. Like on match days and stuff, but yeah. I don't know. Uh, in case anyone is wondering about this horrible, weird, glitchy graphic that I've got going on that isn't great, it's because I'm in our like storage room, craft room kind of area. I've got a little desk, you know, I've got all my stuff here, but it's a bit of a mess. It's just storage boxes and shit behind us, so that kind of masks it, even though it's really weird. But yeah, don't worry about that. <laughs> we'll gloss over that. Probably not be in this room next week, but we'll see. Uh, so Jordan, yes. Um, do you want to talk about England's 2011 Rugby World Cup team? Oh, let's. Because let's talk um, about some hand egg. Let's let's talk about some hand egg. Um, so our very own our very own Jay's favorite sport. There is. Okay, it says. Um, true or not, it's no secret that rugby players are typically associated with hardcore partying as they often play with the same intensity off the field as they do without pads on it. Right? Okay. The story about England's 2011 Rugby World Cup team is absolutely insane. If I remember rightly, they did really, really bad in that World Cup. And, well, it says, well, the team eventually was knocked out by France in the quarterfinal. So not, not terrible, but not great. Uh, it was their antics at a, an I quote here, mad midget weekender event at a bar in New Zealand that's most remembered. As numerous players were caught up in a dwarf throwing st- scandal that is straight out of the movie The Wolf of Wall Street. The England, yes, yes, the 2011 England Rugby World Cup team went out for a drink in New Zealand and started throwing dwarves around. But. How did that not make the press? Well, it did. How did it not get bad press? I, I, it did. <laughs> How can I not remember this? I don't know. Well, it was 2011. It was a long time ago. The, the newspaper headline was Tabloid Heaven, Mystery Blonde, World, Mystery Blonde, World Cup, Breasts, Royal Family, England Rugby Captain, Drunk, Dwarf Throne. And I'll tell you why. Because you think, well, that's quite bad. Till you read it. <laughs> but one of the team's players... Mike Tyndall. Oh, no. Who was he is actually Queen. a member of the royal family. Yes, he is. He's married to the Queen's granddaughter, Zara Phillips. Uh, was allegedly, was a, well, sorry, was alleged by the son. So Not very reliable. Not a very reliable source, but apparently he grew up with a woman at the event. Adding more bad news to the whole story. And then just when that's bad enough, another player, right? Yeah. Uh, Manu Tulagi. Decided oh, to jump too off. Of, yeah, decided to jump off of a ferry and swim to safety. I don't. I don't know why he wasn't safe on the ferry. He's a rugby player. <laughs> the float, don't they? Yeah. He didn't. Yeah, he didn't feel safe on the ferry, so he just swam. He just jumped off and swam. So he probably saw Mike Tyndall start throwing dwarfs and thought, "Frig this." I mean. <laughs> no, they stopped throwing dwarfs on the left of the bar. They didn't keep throwing. They weren't throwing dwarfs off a of ferry, Jordan. That would have been a different story. 
Well, they are England England rugby players. But yeah, um, I don't know. <laughs> so, what what do you what do you think of that? The definitely, I checked. They weren't throwing dwarves off a ferry. It was two separate events, but it was the same night, and it was the same people, and they were pissed. Uh, Obviously, it's a weird party with rugby players. Really weird. Yeah, yeah it is really weird. Um, oh, I found the story about Flintoff and the pedal boats. Go on, then. I'll let you and, do that uh, while I look through these. Pekka Dillos. It was at 4 a.m. <laughs> and he, yeah. got, he was England captain at the time. Yeah, he's... Oh no, vice captaincy and ban. He was banned for one match after being involved in a four AM drunken escapade. Escapade on a pedlow. He'd been <laughs> on an eight-hour drinking spree with teammates after England lost their first match in the World Cup, but had to be helped by staff at a five-star hotel in Saint Lucia after he fell into the rough waters of the Caribbean Sea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey. Do you know what, right? Of all the crap that Flintoff did when he was pissed, he's just yeah. like one of us. <laughs> if we were an international sportsman, and yeah, he, I mean, he's a good laugh. He's insane. Who would not do that if they were in the West Indies <laughs> or or Australia? Or I think anybody would. If you visit the colonies, you got to have a good party. <laughs> Later, later on, Flintoff made a profuse apology and said, I know that what I did on Friday night was completely wrong. I have to take full responsibility. It was not and then, well, I'm, and then I'm sure like 11, a year later, he did the same thing again, but in Australia. <laughs> he did. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I have found some other good sports stories. Are you ready for this one? I so am. This, this is British as well. During the 1928 Amsterdam Olympics, Right. Uh, the defending champions, the British hockey team, so we're world champions, we'll come back to the next Olympics, uh, they withdrew from the Games because they were afraid of the embarrassment of losing to one of the colonies, the debutant Indian team. So we turned up to the 1928 Amsterdam Olympics as reigning world champions at hockey. India turned up for the first ever hockey Games when we went, we're not playing against the colonies, what that? And, and withdrew from the competition. But then... 20 years later, 1948, after India had gained their independence, in the London Olympics, we played them and lost 4-0. At home. To the team we were scared to play for embarrassment. Wow. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, it, it does, it says, before, the, before 1928, the British were the defending Olympic champions, having secured gold in 1908 and 1920. However, the Indian hockey team grabbed the gold at Amsterdam Olympics in 1928. Uh, with ease and consistently maintained its dominance for the next two decades. <laughs> so we went, we're not playing the bloody colonies, and then they went and just dominated. Uh, so before, before the event in Amsterdam, the Indians had already beaten the Britons 4 0 at the Folkestone Easter Festival. Uh, the loss prompted the British team to withdraw from the Amsterdam Olympics since they were sure they wouldn't be able to handle the embarrassment after losing again from a colony. Uh, India then got its independence from British in 1947. Uh, and the very next year, London hosted the Olympics. This time too, India won uh, against the British at the present-day Wembley Stadium. So oh we refused to play them because we didn't want to get beat. And then they came to our Olympics into the Wembley Stadium. People. <laughs> that's, that's that is the so... thing, right? In them days, the... British sports teams were so up themselves that they thought they could beat everybody because oh, we created these things and then went. And then other teams were like, no, we're just going to be better than you. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I mean, there are some crazy stories in, uh, in sports. I found the one about Balotelli. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. He's never done anything crazy. <laughs> no, this is apparently about Balotelli's bib. All right, go on. Is there a reason that I can't be worn? Um, <laughs> so I've Googled something called 
the top strangest football stories of all time. Yeah. And of course, number 10 is Balotelli's bib. Because I'm sure this is where it was Italy were playing in the World Cup and he couldn't get his bib on. Yeah. Well, it was two separate occasions, wasn't it? Because didn't he do it at City as well? He did at Liverpool, I think. Yeah, he did. No, I thought it was City. No, before a game there, there is, of course, due care and consideration to be taken into account. Yes, there is. However, for Maverick Italian striker Mario <laughs> Balotelli... <laughs> Maverick. Who... The earlier this week, turnaround said that if he had stayed at City, he would have been on the same levels as Ronaldo and Messi. Yeah. Um, this took an altogether different meaning. The former Manchester City striker was in the middle of warming up and had the trademark training bib on. However, in the case of shirts versus skins, Balotelli was unable to even place the bib over his head. This caused chaos for the Liverpool frontman as he struggled with the innocent party. A case of man versus bib was duly born as the papers went wild. Yeah, it was all over. I remember it. <laughs> and then what was it? There was another one where there was a um, two teams and they all had the same surname. What? What, what do you mean they all had the same surname? <laughs> another light-hearted tilt related around the theme of team names. Now there are a wide variety of players who have names which are hard to pronounce. But how about twenty players who all had the same name? Um, <laughs> this is precisely what happened when a game took place which featured people who went by the name of Bungay. Okay, it that's had, unusual, so I'm guessing it was in a foreign country and it's a popular name there. It, it had nothing to do with Silvio Ber- Berlusconi, as there was no... Berlusconi. <laughs> Berlusconi, as there was no Bunga Bunga aspects in sight. Yeah. However, a match was played out where everyone was called Bungay and it actually took place in Bungay, Suffolk. Yeah. With less than 500 people called Bungie in the UK, this eccentric tale was a real sight. <laughs> Whoa. Where is it? Oh, there's even the story about when Tarat missed his bus. Aye. Well, I'm going to interrupt you because I'm going to tell you about an Australian roar named Bobby Pierce, uh, who, in the middle of a rowing race in the 1928 Olympics, stopped to let a family of ducks pass. Oh, that's nice of him. He is very nice of him. So it says it was a quarter-final race when Pierce performed the the, the much-appreciated act of compassion that left an everlasting memory in people's hearts. He heard cries from the bank and turned round only only to be confronted face-to-face by a duck followed by a line of ducklings crossing the uh, Stotton Canal. He slowed down like a gentleman and let the creatures pass before he resumed rowing. Meanwhile, his opponent... <laughs> what do you think his opponent... Do you think his opponent slowed down and helped the ducks? No. Nope. And also a powerful rower, Sauron, took advantage of the situation which gave him a five-length league lead. Sorry, Pierre still didn't give up and performed exceptionally well in the last 1,000 metres of the race. He was 30 seconds ahead of Sauron at the moment he crossed the finish line. So he absolutely went into beast mode and just ripped, just fucking beasted this. To guy. be fair, though, my com- at that point, my competitor side would have seen that and went, hmm, I'm going to win this. Yeah. But it says Pierce won the duck interrupted quarterfinals and then went on uh, and didn't lose his position as world professional champion for 12 years from 1933. He was the oh. world champion of Rowan for 12 years despite letting some ducks pass in the quarterfinal. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. There's this loads of crazy shit going on, but... Imagine how that guy felt. You're behind. You see him stop. You think, what's he doing? He's letting some ducks pass. I'm just going to win. You fucking keep going. You look back, he's five lengths behind you. Next thing you know, he overtakes you and I finishes 30 seconds. 30 seconds ahead of you. I would be... Half a minute. I would be gutted. <laughs> How fucking... You must have been like a fucking speedboat. <laughs> I would have been really, 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 really gutted. Oh, I mean... I would, yeah. have, reti- I would have retired. <laughs> oh. oh, man... Uh, the one, the main one that I found was actually a rugby story. 
um was was the, was the main kind of sports story I had uh, to talk about. So we does are this going. Involve back... England's England, does this involve England's rugby team again? Uh yes, it does. It involves the England rugby team, but you you don't have to worry about it yet. No, you yeah. don't have to worry about the impact of it, because it was in February of eighteen eighty nine. Oh well, when it didn't really matter. But it, it it's it's I mean it's English, it's very English. Very. It's oh, it's very English. I I read a story one about uh, um I have to try and find it and maybe talk about it in another episode, but I read a story about uh, um I I believe he was an Irish rugby player who wore a monocle because he was short sighted. He used I was to take. Say, I thought he, he, was, say, he played pissed. No, he, he was short sighted and he couldn't see, so he'd wear the monocle and he'd run at someone and he'd take the monocle out, make a tackle, then put his monocle back in. <laughs> <laughs> so ah, there's my target. <laughs> but yeah, um, in February of eighteen eighty nine, during a test match against the touring New Zealand natives, i.e., it's a one of the colonies. We're not going to lose to them again, right? Well, uh, bear in mind. Um, so, New Zealand. This was, I, I believe, it was around the first time that they wore the All Black jerseys and became the All Blacks, and they were actually really good at the time, as the, they are now. Because um, New Zealand's the best team in rugby. Yeah. So, England's A A Sturrard. Whilst on the attack, uh, this uh, this is a very English story, John. Uh, whilst on the attack, lost a portion of his shorts. I he got tackled and somebody ripped his shorts off. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, probably so, back then the New Zealanders didn't say we do not wear shorts. Yeah. Um Crikey. so as as was the custom, it says Stoddart's teammates, so uh, England's A Stoddart, right? So it says Stoddart's teammates formed a circle around him. So it it was what actually happened was he was tackled, he lost his shorts, they immediately realized what happened. The closest people to them were the New Zealand players, so the New Zealand team surrounded him. To protect his modesty from the crowd, uh, while he uh, reshorted himself. Hmm. <laughs> um. But yeah, to everyone's surprise, England's loose-headed prop Frank Evershed took advantage of the distraction to score a try. <laughs> oh dear! So he got tiled. His shorts came off. The opposition team surrounded him, and he scored a try. But this is where it gets even better, Jordan. This is just still very, very English. So there's a bit of cheating there. That's English kind of miscreant behaviour in sports. Um, most of the 12,000 spectators expected the sporting protocol to be followed and the try to be ruled out. But to their surprise, the referee awarded the score and England went on to win the match. Oh, that is so British. Uh, and what makes it even more British is that in protest, some of the their New Zealand players left the field, right? And had to be talked back into coming out for the rest of the match. And then after the match, they had to apologise for boycotting the match. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> totally give away a fraudulent point, but you must apologise because you shouldn't have walked off there. That was terribly unsporting. <laughs> but, yeah. I should... <laughs> uh, the New Zealand native team of the time... Uh, comprised mostly of players of Maori ancestry. Um, and they had played 107 rugby matches during uh, the first... Um, do, 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 yeah, during the first tour. Um, and pretty much won most of them. So they were a good team. The thing is, out of all the sports, we're actually better at rugby than anything else. Oh, and a little bit yeah. of cricket. So there was a there was an Irish. The, the, I'm sure one of the Irish man's teammates. Is, so that Irish guy was in a team. Was one of the first. Was the first Irish team to beat England in rugby, I think. And I'm sure one of his teammates had one hand. That might be a different team. A uh, completely different sport. I mean, if you turn up to a rugby match with a guy with one hand and a guy with a monocle and win, <laughs> but I'm definitely sure that's a thing. Yeah. Um. So what are you what are you tapping away out there? I'm finding something. You're finding something. While you're doing that, I'll talk to you about some more sporting things. Uh, this is a very Australian story. Well, actually, I, I don't know. I, I don't know, but it's it's funny. 
Oh dear. So, an Australian man is suing a museum. So that's American behaviour right there. After his attempt to outrun a virtual image of Olympic gold medalist Kathy Freeman went terribly wrong. Oh dear. So, I'll paint the picture for you. In the museum, they have a, a section of track. Yes. Right? Which I believe, is it 100 metres or 10 metres? 10 metres. 10 metres track. Right, so it says here. The exhibition encourages people to sprint down a dual-lane 10 metre track racing against a virtual image of Freeman. So you, there's a 10 metre section of running track and yeah. on the wall there's like a wall of screens that is the first 10 metres of her Olympic winning uh, sprint. Yeah. And the challenge is, can you beat it? Can you can you beat the time? Um, and this went wrong for this guy. So do you want to guess how it went wrong? He didn't beat it by a miles. He didn't, right. Uh, I don't know if he beat her or not. That's irrelevant. And you'll see why. Did he get injured? Did he fall over? He did over? get injured. He, he, he kind of fell over. Do you want to guess what his injuries were? A broken nail. Uh, do, you, do you want to guess a bit worse than that? All he's got mm. to do is run 10 metres. But yeah, I mean, it's foot. a full-on sprint. He broke his foot. So you're thinking he rolled his ankle. It was bad, yeah? Yeah. Right. Dean Smith broke his back. What? He broke his fucking back after slamming into a wall at the end of the race. They literally had the 10-meter track, a tiny area, and then a wall. He just fucking sprinted into it. I mean, I feel like it's a health and safety issue. If you're going, yeah, sprint as fast as you can, there's a wall there, but don't worry about that. I think the thought that he was going to stop before before the wall. Yeah, but they didn't apparently give much space to stop. Like, Uh. they reckon that most people, like, back off before the end and then kind of... But obviously he was going for his like, I'm going to fucking beat this. Sprint in the wall. <laughs> Broken back. Korea finished. Um, it's Melbourne Science Works Museum. And it was last June. Uh, he said to have thought it would be a bit of fun before crashing headfirst into the wall and fracturing his neck, skull and spine. <laughs> this guy was shifting. He says, when we approached it, you could hear a message saying, can you beat Kathy Freeman? And I thought, oh yes, I'm going to give that a go. He said. Just as I got to the end, all of a sudden I went to slow down and I couldn't slow down quick enough. Uh, Mr. Smith was almost paralysed as a result of his crash and says he can't work anymore or even play with his children the same as he used to. He suffered a stroke and has been left in constant pain. He is now suing Museums Victoria over the attraction and lodged a writ in the Victorian Supreme Court last week. Mr. Smith claims the museum failed in its duty of care by not providing sufficient lighting and enough room for runners to stop safely. So apparently it wasn't very well lit in there either. So it was a bit dark. Wall at the end. Go on, sprint. That'll be fine. Hmm. Uh, a spokesperson for the museum was unable to comment due to legal proceedings. Oh dear. Mr. Smith could though. Oh. And he did. But that is insane. I've got a thing for you. I want to test your history of sport. Oh, my history of sport isn't great, but go on. Sport and quotes. In sport football. and quotes. Oh no. So... The first one is, I'm going to make a prediction it could go either way. I've, I've no idea. Right. I don't do sports quotes, John. I just watch sport. I don't take notice of what they're saying. <laughs> it was uh, a former Manchester United manager. Hmm. Fergie? No, before Fergie. Before Fergie. Uh... How how far before Fergie? Manager before. The manager before. Um, I can't actually remember who was uh, fucking. Who was manager before Fergie? Uh, was it? So we got Ralph Rangnick at the minute. Solskjaer before him. Yeah. Mourinho. Van Gaal was before Mourinho? Yes. Moyes? Moyes was before... Was straight after Fergie? Straight after Fergie. There's a few... Right, so... Dave Sexton? No. No. No, Busby's way before. Uh, Oh, oh, uh... 
uh, I can't remember. Atkinson. Atkinson. Ron Atkinson. Ron Atkinson. I couldn't remember his fucking first name. <laughs> and here's a one more recent. Mm-hmm. The problem with my life is that I've said too much shit in the past and no one forgets it. Oh, I feel like this could be a number of people. Um, and he's one of the managers to just recently have won the league. Pep. And it's not Pep. Mourinho. <laughs> no, it's not Mourinho. Um, oh. oh, hold on. I've got Jay. Oh. We have got Jay. <laughs> I knew I'll get your attention. Sorry. <laughs> Satya, why you talk about football? Well, we yeah, spoke you've... about some rugby as well. You've, Fair enough, it was English rugby. You've you've uh, interrupted with sportscast. I'm back after I'm a, what are you, a whole season off. Yeah. Years. Yeah, how long have you been off? When did we start you... the first, third season? You haven't been on this season, have you? I've been off for three, um, three months. Fucking Skyler. I did. I left. I left after season two. I've been working deep behind the scenes. You have. I'll give you that. Tia's been working hard behind the scenes. I've got to give him that. Uh, so it's got to be Club or Pep because they're the only ones that's re- won it recently. Well, it's not Pep. So it's Club. It's Clippity. Don't, don't insult you. Clip. Oh. These, shows... Look, I went, I went with a fake background. Jay went with it. Nope, you can just have a fucking initial. You know, three initials. <laughs> My camera isn't working. <laughs> Sums up your life. <laughs> it does. Oh, hi. Right, at least I can talk other random shit. I, I was going to do sports with Jordan, but we're going to talk about a couple of different things. Um, oh yeah, do you want to do a couple more, Jordan? No, it's fine. All right. Uh, do you want to talk about Jay? Do you want to talk about Bill Gates? Go on. Then. Do you want to talk about how he is? Wait there, and I, I want to find the exact quote here. Uh, bu- 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 Oh, where, where is that? Where is that? Where is that? Uh, Bill Gates is foreskin enemy number one. Is number one what? What? Foreskin enemy number one. <laughs> Okay. I thought the Jews were the foreskins enemy number one. No, that, let's not do that, Jay. <laughs> oh, hi. Why, Jordan's turned his camera off now. He may have company in the background. He did say that Beth would be popping in. Right, so, do you want to do you wanna know, Jay, how Bill Gates is foreskin enemy number one? Because this story is going to break you if you're paying attention. Are you paying attention? I am. Right, so, this is, when is this? 2014. Right, when Bill and Melinda Gates took the stage on March the 18th for Vancouver's first TED conference, there was a group of small protesters outside. Right, um, <laughs> this is brilliant. So basically, Bill Gates um, had claimed that male circumcision reduces HIV transmission by up to 70%. Um, and then allocated 1.2 million US dollars to the World Health Organization to fund pre-qualification of devices to assist in performing circumcisions and the development of guidelines on the use of devices. So basically, Bill Gates paid 1.2 million US dollars to help get people circumcised because he thought it would help reduce AIDS by 70%. But did it reduce AIDS? Well, one guy... Glenn Callender, 
who was a head of the activist called Canadian Foreskin Awareness Project. Uh, thought not. But do you want to know what's the best thing about that? Go on. The Canadian Foreskin Awareness Project. Do you want to guess what the acronym that they use is? CFAP. CANFAP. No one on Earth is more detrimental to foreskin than Bill Gates. Gates' astronomical mass circumcision funding will result in tens of millions of men and boys being circumcised, which will make him more directly responsible for more unnecessary circumcisions than any other living person. And that's why CanFap will be publicly declaring Bates foreskin enemy number one on Tuesday. That's what he said. That's what Frank Callender said. Oh dear. He was really not happy. <laughs> He went, Gates has clearly listened to the world's most ardent circumcision promoters, but has he listened to a leading foreskin advocate? I challenge him to hear the other side of the story. If you put Bill Gates in a 4 by 4 meter room with me and my foreskin for exactly 44 minutes, he will emerge convinced that circumcision is, is the wrong way to solve the HIV crisis. <laughs> I don't think there's ever been a more unusual call-out for anybody is a man saying... If you put Bill Gates in a 4 by 4 room with me and my foreskin. For 44... I don't understand... What's it, why... Ah, I've just clicked. Oh, dear. I didn't understand, because he said a 4, four metre by 4 metre room. Yeah? Yeah. And then he was talking about it, and then he said 44 minutes. Yeah. And I was like, what's his obsession with 4? It's 4, 4, foreskin. and also I'm guessing that this guy isn't circumcised right so he said put Bill Gates in a 4x4 metre room with me and my foreskin how would he go in without his foreskin and it it, I mean where where is it a calendar maintains that cutting off foreskin from penises will not protect men from HIV and may actually give them false confidence we got um, the hand of the Bill's, Bill Gates. He, he saw like a a crisis in STDs. <laughs> well, he yeah. was like, "Well, the solution is just cut it off." Yeah. Well, not well, not the whole thing, but yeah, he was like, "Right, you keep getting AIDS. Everyone, cut your foreskin off." Thanks. And then this man, <coughs> can't cut. Just cut off. how much you want to cut off? Just a tip. <laughs> there was a. <laughs> CanFap calls itself Canada's festiest pro foreskin athlete advocacy group. Its website says that they advocate for the human right of all children, male and female and intersex, to grow up with intact genitals. In other words, all children have an intelligible right to their own bodies and no one has the right to amputate another person's healthy, normal genital tissue without their informed consent. I mean... There's a lot of arguments for and against having a foreskin. Yeah, there, but ultimately, I think it should be up to the person to decide, which this guy does say. He says he's not... What was it he said? He's not anti-circumcision. He's pro-foreskin, which is two different things. Because he said he, he hasn't got a problem with people do for religious reasons and whatever. And But it should ultimately be the person's choice. Uh, not just, you might get AIDS, so we're going to whip it off while you're here. <laughs> well, it's... um. Scientifically proven that getting circumc- a circumcision will um, help benefits of keeping it clean and risk infection. Yeah, well, this guy, he can help out with that as well. Well, just um, shower, uh, shower with your foreskin open more often. No, it, it, where, where was this? Right. So, um... So it says the group seeks to educate, blah, 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 blah. So in the most recent protest involved Oprah Winfrey's endorsement of Skin Medica, an anti-aging cream that contains cells grown from samples of genital skin. And there's the foreskin awareness booth. 
a family-friendly demonstration held at street festivals and gay pride celebrations, where Calendar shows groups of up to 25 people his uncircumcised penis, highlighting what it can do and how to clean it, while educating the audience on the dangers of circumcision, circumcision with a few jokes thrown in for good measure. He puts a tent up at gay, ride, at gay pride festivals and gets his knob out for people. What's wrong with this guy? Sounds like my kind of man. <laughs> to be honest, there's also a lot of fun you can have with a foreskin. Well, it says with a few jokes thrown in. I mean, he has called his organisation CanFap as well. Though he doesn't offer hands-on demos in the booth. I mean, that's good. That's good. It's a good call not to offer hands-on demos. <laughs> he is a proponent of what he calls forgasms. <laughs> Which is bringing yourself to climax using only your foreskin. <laughs> and it says he'll be releasing some instructional videos for guys on his site in coming weeks. What's this guy's name? <laughs> <laughs> Glenn Callender. You want the CanFap website? Oh, Actually, can. maybe don't Google CanFap. I thought I Googled CanFap. Um, Jay, this is not safe for work. <laughs> Uh, da, 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 da. It just comes up with Macmillan cancer support. <laughs> <laughs> That's something very different. Um, how the fuck do you pronounce this? Can, just can. Do you want us to read you the name of the thing? No, no, I understand. Can't the the how to spell it, but the punctuation. I'm looking at the Macmillan cancer support. FAP is a rare condition that can run families. If not treated, FAP can cause high risk of bowel <laughs> cancer. Oh, hey. I, uh, familia, ab, familia adenosis poly, polypos. Lord, um, what was that, sir? <laughs> he gave up on that one quickly. <laughs> Adenomatous polyposis. Do you hear that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank so, you for the, uh, having a translator on hand. <laughs> <laughs> it comes with sperm and babies. What? <laughs> egg, egg, sperm, sperm, child's genes. Oh, you know, I'm not. I'm, I'm not taking the piss. This, this is generally. I, I searched up CanFap, and this is one of the first results that came up. Yeah. No, I know. It, it's so. It's capital C A N, and then a dash, and then F A P. It's all capitals. Oh, I forgot what I had that. Do, 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 do. Just a second. Um, Canada FAP is not even a good idea as well. Those images are burned on my wetness. <laughs> it's just Ryan Reynolds standing there. Fap for children? What? <laughs> no, no, do not go anywhere near that, Jay. This is an NHS website. No, I don't care. <laughs> oh, my God. Your FBI agent will be knocking on the door in a minute. Uh, if I'm your FBI agent, I'll be... Don't... Uh, right. I, I've, in chat, in the company chat, it's just popped up saying has shared a photo. Yeah. I don't trust this. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake, Jay. Right. I'm looking at the second photo. No. There's a whole department. The Oxford Regional Genetic Department of Fat for Children. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jay. I'm sorry, I would just broadcast lads to um, bring you How was um, to the... ranking for children, basically. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, I'm going to buy you a present since you're back on the uh, podcast, but you'll have to wait for it to get you. Well, don't hold your breath. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at my calendar for Omi Diary, um, I am... Yeah, this is very, very how can I spell calendar today? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, 
Today, 4th of March, I'm here on the 11th, might be here on the 11th of March, and I'm off until the 8th of March, uh, 8th of April. Hmm. Depending. Uh, well, hold on then. I was looking to... Right, I can't find this guy's website, because I was just curious how you can make yourself orgasm with just your foreskin. I, well, and I pay money, about... it's just the same principle, right? Of like when you go to the toilet and if you nip your foreskin together, your penis comes into a balloon. I bet something like that. Oh, for fuck's sake, Jay. I don't, that's not sexual pleasure. Anyway, there might be a kink out there. over that. There might be a kink out there that, that, um, is for that. Since we're talking about penises, do you want to learn about the time that the king's mistress bit off the. Penis of a dead bishop. Uh, I was. Gonna, I definitely thought something. Why not? Happen to your penis. But go on in. <laughs> so I'm this some is old biscuits. Yeah. So King Charles II, a long-time lover, Barbara Villiers, uh, was horrified to think her position as number one mistress was in jeopardy. Um. So. I, 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 I don't know. I, it, it, there's a load of weird shit goes on, but basically she was the king's mistress. Um, and everybody kind of knew it. She was one of a few, but she was definitely the favourite. But she was never officially crowned uh, because obviously they didn't get married. She was just his mistress. They had supposedly, supposedly five uh, bastard children. Um, but yeah, um, so she was the king's lover before he was married. Before she met the king, Villiers was briefly married um, uh, in 1659 at the age of 19 to Roger Palmer. Uh, Palmer's uh, father apparently warned his son that if he married her, he'd become the most miserable man of the world. That just sounds like most fathers. <laughs> also, practical advice. Um, it appears that Palmer's father might have been right. Uh, for less than 12 months after their wedding, Villiers became romantically involved with King Charles, who in 1660 was still in exile in The Hague. So he was in exile at this point. Um, so it says it all came about in Netherlands, where Villiers <coughs> was visiting the king, along with other royal sympathisers, on a diplomatic mission. Uh, so, yeah, and it goes on about, about then, basically, the glory heirs, while they were together and stuff. Uh, the, do you want to hear about the mock lesbian wedding as well? Why not? We'll get, we'll get that in a minute. But basically, uh, Villiers was given the title Lady Castlemaine and she frequently made efforts to outshine the Queen and Charles, Charles's other mistresses by wearing revealing clothing and more jewellery than other ladies at court. But life for Villiers soon changed as 15-year-old Lady Frances Stewart arrived. So she was no longer favoured and she went into a spiral of mental health. So Villiers had a number of other lovers to turn to when the king was busy with other mistresses, and she apparently got up to all kinds of mischief with a variety of men, including a bishop who may or may not have been alive. <laughs> oh dear. Brian Masters, the author of The Mistress of Charles II, recounts an incident where Villiers apparently bit off the penis of a perfectly preserved mummified 14th century bishop. <laughs> like, that's a normal thing. Why a bishop's penis? And why did they have to emphasise that it was perfectly preserved? Because it's a holy penis. <laughs> it's a God's penis. penis. God. It's, it's a God penis. penis. <laughs> uh, it's believed that in the aftermath of the Great Fire of London, Villiers visited St Paul's Cathedral uh, to pray for victims, where the mummified body of a bishop was in a room in which repairs were being carried out. I'm assuming that's repairs to the room and not the bishop. You know you don't repair mummified bishops, do you? Well, you do have to just build Peter's off. Uh, apparently, He's perfectly preserved. <laughs> apparently, she asked for time alone with the mummified remains before she was caught performing an oral sex act on the body before biting the penis off. <laughs> oh, my kale's <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, Is that some sort of like reverse Ghostbusters thing? <laughs> There's no porton pack, so she's decided to suck of a dead guy and get his soul back in. Don't. <laughs> I don't fucking know. Also, what's the reaction of biting? You've interrupted us, you're having this, and just biting it off. <laughs> I'll take it home with us. 
That's going into the prison pocket um, wallet. It <laughs> uh, also, um, yeah. So there was other things going on. Um, Villiers went to great lengths to prefend this new Lady Frances and convinced her to stage a mock lesbian wedding between two women as a way of entertaining the king. It was also seen as a way for Villiers to convince the king that Lady Frances preferred women, as a reason why uh, as as a reason why the young woman kept refusing him. So she even got this young woman that the king was fancied to pretend to be a lesbian to try and convince him that she was no good so that she would still be the king's main mistress. Uh, strange things have happened in this country. And yeah, just realising that now. Cheer. Stefan. And Jordan. Stefan. Do you want to learn how to make a candle solid? No. Make a what? A candle solid. A There's candle a reason that I'm moving salad. up this from penis stories. So like, let me get this straight, right? I, I, the, the whole length of topic is sports, penises, and candle salads. No, this there's a reason that this is in the penis line of inquiry. Oh, dear. You've piqued my curiosity. It was popular. It's a fruit salad. And it was popular in America from the 1920s to the 1960s. Right? Right. So, the preparation is, arrange a few leaves of lettuce on a plate or a decorative napkin. This forms a salad's base. Yep. Right. You're not good to be like um, a food podcast a podcast host. Well, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for feedback. I want you to imagine it. I'm letting you imagine it. Right, so, so you've got some, the... some leaves on the plate, yeah. Right. Yeah, what kind of leaves? Does it say what kind of leaves we need to yeah, use? Yeah, let, lettuce leaves. What kind of lettuce? I don't fucking know. An iceberg lettuce. It doesn't say what lettuce. Oops. I'm going to shout out iceberg both directions, yeah? <laughs> yeah, it's an iceberg lettuce, okay? <laughs> right, you've, you've imagined some lettuce on a plate. Are we yes. getting that far? <laughs> yes, right. we've that far. Then stack some pineapple rings on top of the lettuce. Why... So you're basically making a phallus out of the pineapple rings. Provide this provides a niche to insert one whole or more often half of a peeled banana. So you got some <laughs> lettuce on the floor, on the plate. Yeah. Pineapple rings stacked up in a yep. nice symmetry with the whole all the way down. You put a banana in a hole. Yes. <laughs> and that's the candle. For garnish, the banana can be topped with a choice of cream and a cherry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing that's on our menu. Are you ready? Oh no. Okay. This gets better. <laughs> the candle salad was known as an easy way to get kids to eat. <laughs> it's to get kids to eat fruits. Well, you want a Catholic kids to go to the Catholic church. A version of the salad appeared in the Mormon children's magazine. Oh, the Mormons! In 2008, which included a bed of alfalfa sprouts and strawberry yogurt drizzled over the top of the banana to look like dripping candle wax. You know, I'm going to make this. I'm quite, I'm quite curious how it tastes now. Gee, <laughs> I'm going to send you a picture of it. Oh god, this is terrible. It's don't know. This is not a good idea. This is not how you get kids eating fruit. I've got pictures of it. <laughs> I've sent you a picture, man. Oh, my phone's on the floor. Well, you're gonna have to pick it up. It's worth it. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Oh, hi. What the fuck's that one? <laughs> it's a candle salad. You haven't sent me any pictures, but like, I'm not. Uh, uh, I have in the group. <laughs> 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 
that, Jay, that is how you encourage children to eat fruit, okay? <laughs> well, no, what we the best thing about that is Kyle's in that chat and he doesn't know what's happening, so he's just going to get a picture of that and not know what it's for. The thing is, he's going to get that picture and he's going to have the, have the picture above that to look at. <laughs> the CanFap website. Well, fat for children. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh. <laughs> right. We're broke, Jay. We're broke. Um, I've, been, I've, been, I've been keeping the quite obvious penis salad for you, Jay. If, if, um, if Putin decides to blow, blow everyone up with nukes, I'm, I can happily die and I'm known to see that image. Knowing that, oh, can we make Putin a kind of stuff? <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Oh. Do you remember uh, our Mormon, Mormon host? What about him? Do you think he has candle salads? <laughs> he has one big candle salad. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hi. Hey, we've got spam bots. <laughs> yeah, we do. I've realised that. You know, you're doing hey. well on the algorithm. If, like, pe- if like penis shape salads bring out spam bots. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that'll do for this week, Jay. Yes, it will. Uh, I think we'll uh, say thank you, everyone, for joining. But and we'll catch you. We'll catch you again next week with hopefully Kyle back. Hopefully, a full house. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. Um, uh, Kyle just took. Kyle's just off this week because he's he's just been he's had a busy day. He's been stressed out of work, so he's having a. We're having a rare chance to bully him. Is what's we, didn't, we didn't do much of it. Yeah. Uh, so everything should be back to normal next week. Jay might be here. Oh, no, you're not here. Are you not here? Or you might uh, be here. No. I am here this week, next yeah, week. He's, he's been fucking told he is. He's... <laughs> 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 so, Jay, is, Jordan, are you here next week? So we should have a full house next week, hopefully. If all goes well. Yeah, I disappear on... Mon- on Monday the 14th. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, do, you, I've got, do you like my background? It's a very nice LA background. I'm in LA right now. Do you know, actually, what's happening here is I'm actually in the storage room. <laughs> I'm in the storage room in amongst the boxes. You're all boxed. So, yeah. Uh, have you put yourself in a storage room so you're not distracted to play on the, uh, on the PlayStation or the Xbox? Uh, I have the PlayStation here and the TV here. The Xbox is upstairs. I just have a workbench in an area that's easy to work on set up. So I just thought I'd just jump down here. And my laptop was on charge here anyway. Fair enough. So that's, that's all that is. But yeah, um, thank you everyone for joining us. Um we will be back next week with hopefully a full house and definitely, well, well, I can't say definitely because anything could happen, but uh, it should be with our, our, our real host, Kyle. The real Kyle should be back, not this yeah, imposter. Yeah, the real Kyle. No, I am Kyle. It says there. That's got my name right there, Kyle. And I'm hosting. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> uh, Who else yeah. the host is called Kyle? <laughs> Yeah, whoever's hosting is just Kyle. I should have had a kind of monster. If you enjoyed the sports <laughs> cast at the beginning, first half of this episode, email in. Well, we might and bring a and me and John can do a spin-off sports cast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't actually learn much about sports. At the site dot TV. Mm. Gee, are you doing the links this week? Oh, links. Mm-hmm. I thought the host did. Right. No, uh, yeah, but Jay's here, so I'm pulling him into it. So I'm going to put the bottom of the screen. He's going to tell where to join. All right, find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash taking off air. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at 
take it off. <laughs> uh, TikTok at take it off air. <laughs> Find us on Spotify by searching take it off or any other of your favorite spot, um, podcast listen, li- listening platforms. Yeah, buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash take it off air. <laughs> Search WrestleTheSide.tv for slash T-O-A for the new Taken Off Air website. Follow us on oh, Instagram yeah. at Taken Off Air. <laughs> Join our we- Reddit, 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 <laughs> r forward slash Taken Off Air. God, Support us on Acast at porta.acast.com forward slash Taken Off Air. And join us next week. You can join us just by searching Taking Off Air, to be honest, and you'll get well, but we're available on Twitch and we're live stream on Facebook and uh and takingoffair.com slash live. So oh, you can join YouTube. us for live recording because we upload a week after. So this will be a episode that's up- uploaded next week. So if you want to hear we're a week early, join my live. You also get to witness the bullshit in person because we'll have a video. This brick wall is not working behind us, is it? No. I'm allowed. It's, not, it's nearly as bad as your earlier pad. I'm still not allowed arms. But yeah, <laughs> been a laugh. It's been a pleasure. See you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye.